We are live with episode yep, two. We are live. We are live. Uh, this is episode two of what was formerly called the Specialists in Failure podcast, now known as the North Bank Talkies. <laughs> yeah, we had to change our name. No, but this is what we're going to stick with. Finally. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This is the this is the name. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean. <laughs> you might as well have called our podcast the first episode called it placeholder podcast but uh, yeah. this, this will do this will do very nicely yeah the first one really convinced me that you know we really tried to take the name back a little too much uh-huh. like, you know, <laughs> we didn't even do a due diligence in making sure the name didn't the name wasn't taken or anything like that we just called it specialist and failure and then uh, you know, we went on Spotify and suddenly there was another podcast called Specialist in Failure and then we just said like, you know what, let's just come up with a different name. I was buying apples when I had that call with you and what do we rename this and I just said Specialist in Failure. Sorry, not, see, the problem with Specialist in Failure is it's such a, it's on the, it's on the tip of my tongue all the time, man, like, uh-huh. more yeah. you know, Mourinho has that special uh, gift to the gab, so to speak. No, no, he does. He's he's been shooting his mouth off again uh, in the past yeah, week. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> we had our fun. I think I think just by keeping the name, uh, especially in failure podcast, we kind of jinxed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to, if you want to believe that, and Spurs have lost their opening game of the season, whilst Arsenal. Uh, believe it or not, are still top of the table after game week one. So uh, enjoy it while it lasts, boys. Yep. And ladies. Uh, All right. So now that we have officially addressed why we changed our name, uh, we're now the North Bank Talkies. North Bank Talkies. uh, You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, coming to a podcast uh, app that you consume very soon. All right, let's start with the biggest news uh, that's made every Arsenal fan's day. Uh, Aubameyang has signed the thing. Yeah, he signed yeah. that thing, mate. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's yeah. just fantastic. I mean, uh, wow, what a story! It's been a whole year in the making, and these contract talks were stalled when Emery got sacked. But uh, it's just the sheer belief in the in Arteta's project, and he's played a massive, massive role in bringing him on board. And uh, you know, at a time when uh, it could have seemed like you know this was just another case of uh, one of our star players slipping away from us in his final year, as has been the case with so many like uh, Cesc Fabregas and Robin van Persie. Uh, this uh, well, it, it did seem like that for a, for a moment there, but then. I'm so glad. I'm so glad it's come through. <laughs> I, I did not expect that to come kicking through in the background, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, Obama signing it, uh, signing the extension. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as, you know, a lot of... Uh, famous Arsenal ex-players and fans and a lot of us in general having the sentiment that, you know, it's it's the biggest signing that we made this uh, transfer window. I mean, yeah, I think it's a priority signing and I'm super-duper happy that we've gotten the signing through. But I think we need to really look uh, more uh, in terms of actual personnel who will fix the midfield loopholes we have because I think as we get more and more uh, into this episode, we'll talk about the game and, you know, uh, Gabriel Magalash in his uh, first uh, game for Arsenal, why Saliba didn't play, etc., etc., what we can expect from this new centre-back pairing that we've got. But uh, on the whole, I am stoked that Obama Yang signed. Uh, at the same time, you know, fingers crossed, uh, hoping that, you know, uh, uh, Edu and uh, Mikel sort of uh, get us another guy who can really strengthen our central midfield, ball-carrying midfielder who will really open up the play, uh, putting uh, Oba, Laka and Pepe in the 
best possible positions this season to actually ensure that they take us all the way uh, to a Champions League spot, hopefully. Yeah, uh, well, it may not be our, it may not be the signing of the summer, but it certainly is the re-signing of the summer. Yeah, that's that's true. I got pretty pissed off because I was following a lot of sources who were basically saying, yeah, it's going to be announced uh, today, it's going to be announced in a couple of weeks. I think it was the worst kept secret, like everyone knew that he was going to sign it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, uh, but I, and they but, really... And they really milked it, didn't they? Uh, they like, really I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, with the with the with the R glasses and Obama Yang and the description on the Arsenal Twitter handle and and, and, and Arsenal and, Twitter yeah. as well. You know, just going going nuts for yeah. the announcement when when Obama Yang first put out that tweet with the uh, R glasses. With the sand at the bottom, and you know yeah. all these tweets coming out comparing him to. The, his previous instance of using that emoji maybe from a month back, back in August, wherein the sand was at the top and then they were like, okay, cool, so things have changed now. There's certainly something seminal happening over here, so uh, I, I think it's going to be the contract uh, signing. And uh, sure, it was the worst kept secret, but the way that Arsenal Twitter went about it, it was pretty damn hilarious. Yeah, shout out to the Arsenal uh, social media team. They... They are, they're playing this game at a very different level compared to a lot of other clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but anyway, so now that that's out of the... Uh, out, yeah, now out we've gotten the two big things out of the way. We've got the name out of the way. We've got the Oba thing out of the way. This is the biggest win for Arsenal in two years. What are your thoughts on that? This is the biggest away win, more specifically, for Arsenal in two years. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's been we're a team in transition, and uh, what we're transitioning into certainly seems very exciting. Honestly, like I, ever since the Opera deal, and actually even before that, like the morning after the Fulham win, I haven't felt this optimistic as an Arsenal fan. And uh, I know this could be the curse of the commentator again, but I really haven't felt this optimistic to be an Arsenal fan in the last maybe three, three or four years because. We're looking good. The football is is exciting. The style of the play is certainly enticing. There is there's build up from the back. There is there's certainly enough passes, but we're not quite overplaying it, you know. And we're quite we're just and and it's it's pretty it's pretty damn enticing. Uh, the uh, I I can't say for sure that it was uh, a test of surety that we're going to you know absolutely kill it, uh, especially against opposition that that is far more formidable. Because, I mean, let's face it, we did face Fulham and Fulham have already been, well, I mean, you, you can't you can't be so quick to judge, but Fulham are already being uh, touted as early, early uh, relegation scrap. Uh, they might get into a relegation scrap fest, so to speak. But uh, well, let's see. It's still early days for every every club, obviously. So we can't make those calls just yet. But uh, I'm, I'm liking what I saw. Yeah, I think I'm on. Uh, I'm on the same page with you uh, with the fact that uh, I woke up feeling really good after the Fulham game. I mean, I know that it's Fulham, but at the same time, uh, you know, there was a certain uh, apart from Gabriel's uh, the first couple of minutes where there was that uh, miscommunication between him and Leno and that entire uh, yeah we had uh, had a know, hard entire situation. Hard, yeah, I was like, oh no, not again. What is David Luiz 2.0 or something like that? Uh, but you know, props to him. He came through, and I I was super duper impressed with the way uh, the uh, we played the ball out of the back. Uh, we didn't uh, put ourselves under too much of pressure. Uh, I mean it. I mean it was much less pressure than what we were used to putting on ourselves last season. It was a little more free flowing. You know, everybody was calm. There was no uh, major issues. I mean, the midfield. I mean, I was super duper impressed with El Nene. To be very very frank, I thought he had a spectacular game. And uh, shout out to Willian on a debut. You know, setting up two goals and you know, almost scoring one. Oba. You know, it was a great all round team performance. But you know, like you had pointed out, it's on to the next one because uh, you know when we play the big dogs, we get to know where we stand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's, 
take a quick stock of uh, let's take a quick stock of uh, who we are actually uh, just uh, let's just take a quick stock of who were, who was actually playing on our team uh, for the Fulham game. So we had Leno on goal, Tierney, Gabriel, and Holding as a back three. Maitland Niles, Xhaka, El Nene, and Bellerin, with Maitland Niles and Bellerin playing wing backs, uh, and Orba, Laka, and Willian playing up front. So, what is the first thing that stood out to you when you saw the lineups last week? Uh, well, I mean, confirmation of the fact that Emmy uh, Martinez will no longer be at the club, and of course, at the time of uh, this recording, we know for certain that Emmy uh, Martinez has left Arsenal to newer pastures for uh, to Aston Villa and we wish him well. Uh, he has been phenomenal for us. Uh, what a story. I mean, the guy, he didn't come from a poor family, but his father and his parents really faced great uh, financial peril early on in his childhood. So the fact that he actually came to Arsenal not knowing whether he might actually, you know, get a run in into the first team and, you know, thought that it would he would just use it for work experience, per se, uh, to find himself a move to another European club, you know. You kind of used Arsenal as his gateway to Europe, and he stuck on. He stuck on for 10 years. He finally got his chance at the back end of the of the last season, helped us win two trophies. And uh, I think uh, it's fair to say that uh, the guy deserves uh, first-team football. And uh, if Arteta, unfortunately, we couldn't guarantee it, here, but uh, I'm glad for him that he's found his way at Villa now. Uh, yeah, that was that was the first thing that I noticed, mm. uh, of of course. And then secondly, uh, just just the confirmation that Ainsley Maitland Niles, you know, the moment we rejected that bid from Wolves, he's been uh, a mainstay in the team, and he's getting more used to that uh, that left wing back role. You see him play that against uh, Liverpool in that league win at the back end of the last season at Project Restart. Also against uh, Man City and in the FA Cup semi-final, and we're seeing it again now. So uh, he certainly he he, he kind of com- comes in uh, to fo- uh, as part of a midfield, like a left centre mid, but he's also quite versatile in the sense that he uh, is able to get forward, sticking to the left side, and still provide quality balls with his left foot. So that is not something that I quite expected, to be honest. Uh, his, I'm, I'm, I don't want to jinx it, but I think that the quality of delivery, uh, as far as his left-footed deliveries go, are pretty decent for a guy who's playing as an inverse fullback. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's those. Those were the two big uh, standouts for me when I looked at the team sheet. And uh, then, yeah. well, then we saw we saw how good the performance was. Uh, any anything else that stood out for you? Yeah, I think I'm on board with uh, the uh, M.B. Martinez. Uh, that, w- that was a big uh, sign. You know, I think on the last episode we spoke, it'll be interesting to see who starts the game. And I think that was a clear sign that what Arteta had in his mind. That uh, you know, the entire M.B. Martinez story, I mean, I thank him for his service to the club. But that was some that was some Shawshank Redemption shit that he was going through, man. I mean, it was there <laughs> breaking the wall, like, you know... Uh, just you know, just breaking it every single day with a little hammer, and then now he has found his way to first team football. And I wish him the very best. Great servant to the club. Not everybody sticks around for a decade like he did. And uh, I mean, in this age where you get like pizza in 30 minutes, and you don't want to waste time at a specialty pizzeria, I mean, <laughs> uh, that's a, I mean that that's that's commitment, man. And you know, full marks to him and props to him. And I wish him the very best. That's number one. Number two for me is El Nene starting in the middle. I thought it would be Sabayo starting in the middle. Uh, number three would be uh, I expected a back two of uh, Gabriel and Saliba, but uh, I think I, I I was also very happy with the fact that uh, Holden played. I'm a big Rob Holden fan. Yeah, uh, I think he had a decent game. And, I mean, uh, I yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was I was actually thinking about exactly just what you said right now, and it harked back to what Arteta was saying. Uh, I think prior to maybe maybe a couple of days in the press conference ahead of the Fulham game, wherein he had realized that you know it's because of injuries to David Luiz and uh, and also got a couple of other unavailabilities 
in centre-back, that communication between his central defensive uh, pairings would have to be so important. And he was wary of the fact that he would not pair you know, two new individuals who not, wouldn't have necessarily had any training time together uh, over an extended period of time. So he decided to yeah. go with somebody that you know he trusted. And this is also partly the reason why he decided not to loan out uh, Rob Holding. And yeah. uh, instant dividends, as you can see, that he's you know he's got the run in, he got got to play, and uh, and he he might he might even be in the running uh, in the in the starting lineup against West Ham. Yeah, and uh, finally, uh, Pepe being on the bench, not playing, uh, uh, and uh, did Pepe play? Uh, I think Pepe got a couple. No. Yeah, Pepe got a few minutes uh, towards the end of the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, uh, uh, Mikel Arteta going for William on the right wing uh, instead of Pepe was also a pretty bold uh, idea. I thought uh, Pepe. I mean, I thought uh, William was coming in as this uh, makeshift number ten and uh, more experienced left wing uh, player, but uh, to sort of mentor uh, uh, Martinelli so that it can sort of free up Obama Yang to play in the number nine position. Uh, but still, I mean, great game from him. So I think that was, and uh, lastly, the way Elneny performed. I mean, uh, we'll we'll have a, a bit more of a discussion about Elneny, but I was like super duper impressed with the entire squad. I mean, again, like I said, that I don't, I don't want to jump the gun. Uh, great game, uh, very interesting team selection from Arteta, and you know, props uh, to getting us to three points and you know, putting us on top of the table for week one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, but the standout talking point from a neutral's perspective, you know, anybody just tuning in to watch Arsenal, the first game of the season has to be Willian. Uh, three assists, I mean, two. one of them a typical fantasy assist, you can't quite chalk it up to the stats board, but two assists in his first game, and he certainly looked the part in, a, in an Arsenal shirt, uh, bringing in a wealth of experience, uh, playing in... Uh, London at Chelsea. He's just brought that over to Arsenal. You can see what, what I love about Willian is the fact that you know he's always making himself available to receive the ball, and the moment he has it, he resists the press. You know, and he's he's very good with his feet to to take the ball, wear the ball away from the press, and immediately go running towards goal. You know, trying to advance the play quickly. That's what we get out of Willian. He always gets gets himself between the lines of play and he receives the ball quickly and he's able to spray it around or, you know, occupy different different positions. So, it's not I, I at times I even saw Berrin like, you know, interchanging positions with Willian. So, it was Berrin playing, you know, in, in the in, in, uh, sort of inside right position, wherein it was Willian at the, at the far end trying to get the ball to get given across so he he's occupying a lot of interesting positions and he's constantly making himself available and that is going to really tie into the team chemistry and uh, this this looks very very exciting and it's already paid dividends against uh, against Fulham and I certainly expect it to to be a constant a mainstay. Uh, what this does for Pepe, I'm not quite sure at this moment because uh, it was Willian who did come off for Pepe in the Fulham game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Willian sort of represents this kind of a uh, player who uh, Arteta might model his youth academy players after, or he might have a word with Modisaka to get the youth players sort of shaped in that format, which is a combination of uh, real uh, technical ability combined with a very high football IQ. So, like you said, he allowed Bellerin to sort of thrive in that right right wing, which we haven't seen uh, uh, Pepe and Bellerin connect that much on the right flank uh, last season. Uh, I mean, uh, Bellerin was unable to feed Pepe that the way he wanted the ball, and Pepe was not allowing Bellerin to thrive to a certain extent by, you know, taking the back seat and ensuring that Bellerin is there to run up front. So, if he ever loses the ball, Pepe is there to come back and defend. You know, he was too, so William was doing all sorts of these very interesting meta moves within the game. Where, uh, for example, when we set up the Obama and goal, he was, I think, around 15 to 20 yards uh, in front of uh, 15, yeah, 15, 20 or 22 yards uh, ahead of the half line uh, when he decided to feed Obama. So he's got the technical ability to switch the play. 
he's got the ability to ensure that the wing back behind him is set up to actually succeed in feeding the strikers by crossing the ball i saw and that and the fact that i saw belvin make very very pointed and dangerous crosses i think after a year and a half is testament of that fact and uh, i think i think he's an extremely versatile player and i think uh, it's a very very shrewd buy uh, by edu and arteta for arsenal this summer i'm i'm a big fan of leon always have been and i also think his added benefit is that he's pl ready so he knows he's up and running and you know i just expect more from him this season yeah man absolutely uh and uh, yeah more more brazilian energy in our team yeah. Gab- gabriel who scored I, on debut yeah, as well I, yeah i think you touched on a more interesting point which is we don't know what it means to pepe uh i mean that i think that is a statement to the half when arteta started william because i thought william's going to be more of like you know these uh, Lichtsteiner type signings who've come in with a lot of winning pedigree and experience uh but will usually be on the bench to mentor the younger players but when you have Willian uh but when you have a decision where Mikel has Willian just playing around like you know 60 70 minutes a game i mean that's 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 a pretty bold statement and i think that's also a challenge to Pepe to say that you know the right wing is not that i mean the right flank is not there for your taking you have to fight for your spot on the team and right now you know it's it's looking it's going to start looking like an uphill battle for pepe if uh, villian keeps playing like this but you also don't know where uh, michel will begin using uh, villian to you know sort of execute his game plans etc etc he'll be in a number 10 position he'll be on the left flank but incredibly versatile player and i'm a fan Right, yeah, and then and the versatility would also, I mean, in certain cases, augur well for Pepe because it's not it's not always that Willian could, uh, you know, take up his occupy his spot on on the right flank. Uh, you could start as a as a cam as well because that's where Arteta yeah. wanted to initially uh, yeah. play Willian, and that's what he said he was looking for. You know, runners in in the midfield and 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 ball carriers in the midfield, basically a guy to carry, take the play forward at a at a faster play pace, and uh, that's that's what's what we've gotten. We've got an early taste of of what Willian can provide us, and uh, let's hope that there's more to come. Uh, but I'm loving this Brazilian energy now. Don't like uh, we've got Gabriel, we've got Willian, we've got uh, and and our technical director is Edu. Uh, and and Martinelli yeah, as well. These guys, these guys got me watching uh, old Joga Bonito videos uh, at night, man. Like not even the joke. I was watching the old, you know, R9 Joga Bonito videos where those guys were playing. Uh, you know, they were freestyling in the dressing room in those videos. You know, <laughs> I mean, like that's what that's what this Brazilian energy is doing, man. I mean, that's great. Uh, okay, so let's go to our next Brazilian, Gabriel Magalhaes, debutant. uh goal scorer uh you know defender there was a decent he had a he had a good game to be very frank apart from the first couple of minutes where he had that dramatic you know miscommunication with leno but props to leno for actually coming in cleaning that up and saving it and showing why he's the top tier keeper at arsenal uh i thought i thought he's actually i think he's actually a very very aggressive and forward thinking and you know attack minded center back i mean he had a lot of forward passing plays because when we have david luiz uh, and mustafi uh, when we had them playing in the back last season the ball would be only played in the back they would be passing it sideways amongst themselves involving leno or martinez and then they would just clear it play it long you know but this time it was very very pointed it was very very poignant that they came with a game plan and i think uh, gabriel you know sort of interestingly unlocked the central mid uh, pairing of elneny and uh, uh shaka to actually uh, you know moderate the play from the center of the field and i think that was i think i think that was a great that was a great match uh, it was a great debut for gabriel i felt he's uh, he's strong it doesn't he looks he looks the type he looks very very sturdily built and uh, certainly able to uh i mean i i'm not sure that again once again harks back to what we were saying before about fulham not being uh, just the 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 sort of yeah yeah the litmus test so to speak but yeah. 
but but he does look like a a strong center back who is able to compete in the air, win those second balls, win those aerial duels as well, and also looks good on his feet as well. Like you were talking about his forward passing, it's it's about keeping it simple. Not you don't necessarily have to be a Virgil Van Dyke. I mean, not every every team can have a Virgil Van Dyke wherein they have distributors, you know, right from the back who can spray that that 60, 70 yard pass all the way to your right winger or your left winger. But uh, it's uh, it, it's it's about just you know keeping it simple and ensuring you have a maintain a cool head in possession and uh, so far so good and he also got a goal uh, and and a memorable one at that so uh, because it's, it's it was his debut as well so um, mad props to him. Yeah, speaking of Virgil Van Dijk, shout out to Reese Nelson. I don't think Virgil Van Dijk's been the same ever since that FA Cup game where he screwed up. And that leads <laughs> Liverpool game. Oh was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Pat- Patrick was, Bamford as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Patrick Bamford went all out. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, uh, I mean, certainly, uh, certainly the uh, highlight of the week uh, for the neutrals. But uh, as an Arsenal fan, we certainly had our eyes peeled out. Uh, yeah. We had our eyes peeled on this one. Uh, moving on. Yeah, I- yeah, and uh, also with respect to Gabriel, I would also like to add finally that you know he seems like the guy we can we can actually uh, the the one question that I have with respect to Gabriel is number one uh, his fitness. So this is just me thinking out loud. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. We have to see him track back because the camera was not focusing as much on them while we were watching the game. Uh, can he be effective in a uh, can he be effective tracking back when we play against a team that counters a lot? Uh, extensively, like you know, uh, you know, like like a like like wolves when they are playing uh, five at the back, or or when they're or 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 a Mourinho or a Tottenham or a Tottenham team for that matter, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. who, so who are in talks, who are in talks to sign oh, Basil apparently. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, no, no, but I I take uh, your point. Yeah, and secondly. Uh, we've always uh, had this sort of a toughness problem at the club ever since, you know, Vieira sort of went out the door. Uh, the question is, can somebody like Gabriel uh, adopt that toughness to actually become a club captain going forward? Is there leadership is my question. Does he have the potential to be a leader? And what's his growth curve like as a player? This is just one game. I understand. But I think we need to keep an eye out because I think he has the potential to be a very, very special player. No, I mean, it's about having leaders in various sectors of the pitch and, you know, maintaining uh, a sort of understanding with uh, your teammates, especially those immediately centered around you uh, to ensure that there is no miscommunication. Again, uh, speaking about communication, Arteta thought it was very important. And that's why that's why he's playing E-Pad Holding and... And Gabriel. So uh, yeah, shout, shout out, shout out to Rob Holding for showing us some flight echoes out there. You know, juggling the ball, not letting it bounce, and taking on defenders outside the opposition's box. Yeah, He's doing yeah. tricks. We have a great shout out to Rob Holding. Yeah. But but then again, he wasn't. We didn't. Arsenal didn't pay fifty million pounds for him, so nobody's going to talk yeah. about him. Wenger <laughs> <laughs> so, does it again. Oh yeah, Wenger does it again. Wenger. Wenger yeah. does it again, even at the Aubameyang re-signing, <laughs> because he was yeah, yeah. he was one of the last gifts that uh, Wenger left Arsenal. Yeah. Hey, uh, I mean, let me pick your brain on this. Um, we've uh, 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 with this entire uh, central mid thing that's happening, which we were discussing. What did you think of Elneny's performance? Uh, so, the deal is that uh, I think Toretta has fitness issues and has not been, uh, has, has not quite been in favor with uh, Arteta just yet. That's not to say that he can't prove himself later on in the season. But uh, for the time being, we don't have the sort of uh, defensive player that can, you know, just be the first point of contact. Uh, if if you're playing out of the back, you know, and the centre backs are, you know, just playing a simple pass forward to just play the ball out of the back, and you know, then he can 
continue the play onward and you know just sit, sit like a sort of pivot that sits between the two center backs uh, i mean this guy uh, what's his face uh, ancelotti yes ancelotti uh, got allen at everton uh, so and and this and he this is a mark, markedly improved midfield at everton right now so, to draw a parallel uh, and we saw that in the weekend performance against uh, Tottenham. But the, uh, I would think that El Neni, in a sense of the word, is just he is being brought back into the side and given a run in just purely on his defensive abilities, his ability to just keep it simple, maybe nick the ball off uh, off the play and focus on his positioning, which are his strengths. Uh, we did see some other things that we didn't quite expect of El Neni as far as his passing range was concerned. I saw a few beautiful balls played in behind the defense as as Opamiang uh, made a run in, you know, uh, off the left side of center back. So um, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I it it is a question of resurgence versus rehabilitation, but. Uh, uh, in we are we are of course chasing another midfielder. So what this means for El Neni in the longer in the long term that uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, for the time being, he is certainly proving an able solution. Yeah, I think El Neni had a great game. I think he was doing some decent work defensively, and uh, and I think the El Neni the solution to the El Neni question is. Uh, what I want to discuss with you, which is uh, looking at the way Arsenal want to reinforce midfield. Are you in for Rawar or are you a party man? Uh, well, it's it's more. It's seeming like uh, it's less to do with who no, 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 like and more to do with who we're going to get, though. No, no, no. Let's not. Let's not. Let's let's not be realistic for a minute. Okay, okay. It's, let's say that you are in Mikel Arteta's seat. Uh-huh. The Elneny gap has to be plugged in. And you have the ability to select any one of those two midfielders. Okay, I, then, then it's it's definitely got to be Partey. Because the idea is that, uh, sure, Awar is, a, is an immense talent. Uh, hugely technical player. Loves to, you know, drift into pockets of space just outside the box. Curl, curl one in. Uh, and he's a runner. I mean, he likes linking the play as well from, you know, uh, sort of eight, number eight position, and then you can link it up to get to get himself as a 10. But uh, those are all qualities that we already possess in in um, in a few of our midfielders. But, you know, you've it's, it's not too dissimilar to what we already have in the squad. So in terms of offering something Arsenal truly and uniquely need as far as a proper proper you know CDM pivot who can uh, like a, like a Kante type figure uh, who is an absolute stalwart with the ball uh, and you know ball winning midfielder at best uh, it it's got to be party. Yeah, I'm on the party boat as well, but it's just that the way the midfield has been structured right now is why I think it won't be party. Uh, because the way I see it is you have a guy who's supposed to do the defensive and uh, semi-distribution duties uh, with Xhaka, and then you have somebody of the same ilk in El Nene. So the El Nene gap is the first gap that the management would want to sort of plug, up, plug in. So uh-huh. I think Ova would be a, would be a very... Uh, Good signing to stop the LNB problem because you suddenly have a permanent ball carrying carrying midfielder and you don't have to rely overly on Ceballos, who I think is a very talented player, but not at the level that I think Owar can get to or is that. Uh, I read Owar a little bit higher than Ceballos for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, I think maybe it's because he's much more... Uh, I, I actually think I feel Owar is... I haven't watched him in the Champions League a little bit. Uh, I think uh, he's a little more quicker when it comes to distribution and putting those, you know, incisive through balls to actually empower the other players to actually go ahead and score. So he's a very, very good playmaking midfielder who uh, who can who can you know turn the game up by actually unlocking Lacazette and Aubameyang and Pepe. So I think that would be the first logical replacement for El Neni, and I think they would have to move Xhaka on. I think at the start of the uh, I think in our last episode, I said Xhaka might be one of the players who might have to look for a new home and uh, by, by next season. 
So once Xhaka is out of the plans, I think the perfect player to actually replace him would be somebody like Partey. So Partey basically takes away all the excess defense duties that Arsenal has to rely on the second central midfielder. And you have only one central defensive midfielder that is holding the line behind the back four. And you have one creative midfielder whose ball carrying moves up and, you know, frees up the front three. So I think that ensures a lot of flexibility yet anchors the defense to ensure that, you know, not a lot is lost. That's at least how I think. But, like I said, if I were in Mikel Arteta's seat, my immediate choice of replacement would be Thomas Partey. Because wow. we need that defensive game. Wow, you've got you've got some strong opinions against Chaka and still and it it's 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 well past October two thousand nineteen, man. Like <laughs> I thought we'd moved on for that. Like because he's he's absolutely I mean, like everybody loves a uh loves a redemption story and uh the you don't have too many at Arsenal as pertinent as as Chaka. Uh I, I hear a lot of neutrals just uh, I mean, even in the FPL circles talking about how how it's it's Jaka that is sort of enabling a lot of the other players in in midfield and up up ahead also just simply by his vision his uh, vision on the ball which you're not going to get from uh, from Partey you know it's it's not, he's not going to be able to spread it around like Jaka does yeah and so, so, and, yeah. and and also gen- just generally he uh, he is a leader he is a leader as well uh, it's just that. Uh, I, I think I think he he won't be looking for a new home. He's he's quite settled at the club right now, and he's so firmly a part of uh, the Arteta project, and is certainly a fulcrum in our midfield. So I don't, and he's one, definitely one of the first names on the team sheet as well. So uh, yeah. I don't think we have anything to worry about as far as uh, Jaka is concerned he's, right now. He, he, he is the first name on the team sheet right now. That's my retort. That's number one, and number two. If you really want to think about the reason why I think uh, the ball, I think that's one of the reasons why I said that, you know, we have to ensure that we have one stable ball carrying midfielder and one stable defensive midfielder, right? The, the something or somewhere is most often nothing of nowhere. So you have two midfielders who are actually part-time defensive midfielders and part-time ball carriers and distributors. And I think we should, and I am of the firm belief that, I am of the firm belief that 10 times one is better than five times two. Okay. So I'd rather have I'd rather have two midfielders who are specialists. One who specializes in defensive midfield and ball and winning the ball in the middle of the pitch, and another guy who specializes in distributing the ball and making plays and carrying the ball up front. <laughs> Drink a shot every time Vignesh says specialist. Yes, <laughs> I swear <laughs> if you if you say specialist even one more time, you're gonna. Yeah, Run yeah, the yeah. risk of sounding a bit like Mourinho, oh. there, my friend. <laughs> because that's I, what Mourinho is like, right? I, I, I think. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, no, that's all bands. No, that's all bands. I love Mourinho. I, uh, ever since that I am alive rant, I've become a huge Mourinho fan. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Arsenal looking to sign uh, Runar Alex Runarsson uh, from Dijon. Uh, as the reserve goalkeeper uh, after the entire Emi Martinez ask, which gets me to the next uh, point of discussion, which is, uh, you know, when we look at Mac Macy now, how do we think of our reserve goalkeeper situation post the Emi Martinez uh, story? Because uh, I don't think, I, I don't, th- I don't think Mac Macy is going to be patient enough to be at the club for 10 years. To get a shot, which is, I think, one in a one in thousand, where a guy gets injured, and then you go on to play, you play every single game, and you win a trophy, and you leave with a squad that was that bad. Well, I should hope that uh, I should hope that the Arsenal aren't uh, forced into, you know, making a sort of change that uh, brings about our reserve goalkeeper into the forefront this time around because i mean we were we were sort of skeptical about it back when it happened uh to uh burn leno against brighton at the back end of uh, the last season and uh, well it turned out it worked out brilliantly it even gave us 20 million in transfer fees that we're possibly going to use to bag another another midfielder uh, it's going to be hugely beneficial and uh, it's also the most that we've sold a goalkeeper for 
uh, even thinking, even including Wojciech Szczesny, who had the potential to be one of the best in Europe. Uh, and we, sh- we really should have persisted with him. Uh, and we only managed to sell him for like 10, 10 million. So it's, yeah, which it's, is, which is criminal, I feel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would have been worth so much more. Anyway, so the point being that uh, as far as Matt Macy is concerned, there are he has sort of you know hinted that uh, he's ready for new pastures and uh, he's not he's he's definitely like you said that he's not gonna wait around for his time there. Uh, that being said, you talk about Runison. Uh, I, uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk as far as the stats go, uh, as far as the number of saves that he has in the French League, which I'm not going to call it a farmer's league. I think I think we've all all of the footballing fraternity has lost the chance to or lost the sort of entitlement to call calling the French League a farmer's league after their Champions League performance uh, this season yeah. uh, in a pandemic yeah. year. But but no, uh, coming back to Renison, no, I, I mean I'm not I'm not convinced. The guy, I, I do know that our goalkeeping coach uh, knows him from uh, his time in I think it was Norway or Iceland, I'm not sure. Uh, and uh, he has worked with him in the past, and that's why he did recommend him. But he, uh, I mean, what we're forgetting is that his first recommendation was actually David Raya of uh, Brentford, and Brentford just. Uh, had a, got a massive haul for uh, their striker Ollie Watkins that uh, Aston Villa splashed a lot of money on. So as far as uh, Brentford, you know, raking in the transfer fees are concerned, they're not really concerned on selling. So um, you know, they are, they see no reason to sell David Raya, who would have obviously been a better fit uh, and a and a brilliant number two, uh, as comparably to uh, Renison, who if one stat suggests if he entered the Premier League, he would have had he'd have, still have the second highest, uh, sorry, second worst save percentage. Uh, no prizes for guessing who the worst would be. Uh, who do you think it would have been? <laughs> There's only one name, one name in there, and he's been talked about. He even he was even in the headlines. Come on, come on, Vignesh, you can do this. Who is it? I don't know, man. Who's this? It's Kepa. Oh man, Kepa. <laughs> oh, but but that's hilarious though, right? Our reserve goalkeeper, the one that we're targeting from, you know, one of the bottom teams in the French league. <laughs> Even if he but, came to the Premier League, he'd still he'd still <laughs> not be worse than Kepa. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I mean, first and foremost, there are there are days when I think about. The way English fans name things and say things that have just made me laugh. I I I gotta say, Farmers League has got to be one of them. <laughs> it's, it's just so crazy. It's just so crazy to call something a Farmers League. I know, right? It's just no. Yeah. It, it just reeks of elitism. It's crazy. It's just- yeah, it's, not, I mean, you know. it's not. It's not even. I, I don't even think of it as elitism. Like you know, it doesn't. When somebody calls something a farmers league, I don't think of this person who calls the French league a farmer league as like somebody who comes out of a PG Woodhouse novel or novel or anything like that. You know, I think of these dumb Brits sitting in pubs just drinking shit and just losing their minds and just saying stuff like, "Ah, the French, they're all farmers and they grow bread." And things like that. Yeah, yeah, they just they just wear their yeah. long johns and kick a cabbage above yeah. the field, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that. I I think that's less PG Woodhouse and more uh, Guinness, uh, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of day, uh, speaking of Runar uh, 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 Alex uh, Runnerson, the Sun uh, posted today at uh, one fifty-five that. Uh, uh, the Arsenal target was forced to delete tweets calling Arsene Wenger a French fucking uh, and dumb ahead of his proposed transfer. Uh, uh, <laughs> mad, mad props to the Sun to find such stories, dude. Yeah. I mean, and I know somewhere Daily Mail, 
there's an editor at the Daily Mail who's probably going like, damn it, you should have you should have figured this out, man. You should have really you should have got the scoop on this. <laughs> He's probably bl- blasting a reporter right now. Yeah. Uh, so apparently he posted a bunch of anti-Arsenal tweets in Icelandic. Uh, the first in April 21st, 2011, originally written in Icelandic, saying, "Hell, this Arsenal, this Wenger guy is stupid." That was sent the day after scoring a 3-1 lead to a 3-3 draw in a North London derby. Another on June 15th read, Arsene Wenger is a little too stupid French fuck. And a third from August 21st that year, which reads, Arsene Wenger is definitely the dumbest man on this planet. Hashtag French fuck. It's not totally clear what uh, infuriated Runosin so much. Although by his latest tweet, the Gunners had sold Cesc Fabregas to Barcelona. And they went on to lose Samir to Man City and then get stuffed 8-2 by United afterwards. Yeah, so I don't blame him for that one week for calling. Oh my God, an idiot. Wow, but uh, that's that's harsh. But uh, <laughs> I suppose the only positive of having him on board is the fact that he's an Arsenal fan. There doesn't seem to be much else. Dude, he's, he's, he's our age, okay? Uh, he's, he's 25. I, I hope he's 25. Uh... So this man, this, this, you know, while we were at Hostel, this man must have been sitting somewhere watching the same games that we were watching and tweeting that Arsene Wenger is an idiot, like so many of us. It's it's incredible to think about that. I feel. Mm, that's. I mean, <laughs> on a similar note, uh, on a contrasting note, so to speak, is uh, you've got you've got uh, Matt Doherty. Who joins Spurs yeah, and oh, had to delete a he oh, had to delete a bunch of tweets. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the best part is, I mean, Spurs actually used it as as their announcement video. Uh, that that was absolutely ridiculous. So he's a closet dude, Arsenal Tot- fan. Dude, Tottenham Tottenham is a scandalous club. If people were uh, open to being honest about how they actually feel about Arsenal, I mean. <laughs> I, I, I'm not lying. Like Harry Kane himself was an Arsenal fan. Uh, uh, now you have Doherty and you have a bunch of other people. The craziest thing about I I don't know where I saw this. The craziest thing is that uh, with that entire Tottenham uh, Everton game, the guy who Tottenham signed was somebody who had to remove the uh, uh, his supporting Arsenal tweet. And the guy who scored for Everton, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, was somebody who actually tweeted, come on, you gunners, at some point. So, so I don't know, I guess Wenger strikes again. He got young fans to enjoy football, to sign for Tottenham, lose the game, and another guy to score against Tottenham. I mean, I don't know, man. He's, he's playing for every side, man. Arsene, you, you constantly, you never cease to amaze us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, cool. Also, uh, the the uh, three hundred and fifty grand a week elephant in the room. <laughs> That's one big elephant, man. <laughs> That's one big elephant, man. Where is he? What is he doing? How I don't know, he dude. He's, does he he's care just... about football or does he care about China? Is he trying to be like the LeBron James of the Premier League? What is he? What is his goal? <laughs> Does Arteta even care? Like I don't like this entire Ozil saga has just become one big, you know, crazy soup. Uh, I, I, I just hope it. I just hope that he's training. I really hope that he's training well because at some point in the season we are going to want his creativity in some game. I don't know. Be it maybe in the earlier League Cup fixtures, we we are facing Leicester in the League Cup. I would like to see Ozil play that game. Uh, <laughs> No, but I mean, this, is, this is not... I, I'm actually imagining Ozil playing Fortnite at his, at his uh, desktop setup and eating biryani when he's bored. That's how I'm actually <laughs> imagining Ozil. Yes, yes. And and then, before going to bed, probably uh, so tweeting support for the Uyghurs and then and then calling, yeah. it, calling uh, it a day. This, this is... Uh, Ozil has the greatest deal on the table. He... I think he's the only man to have punked Arsene Wenger, dude. Like, I'm not even joking. Man, I, mean, I, I was watching the Tottenham, uh, the documentary, uh, All or Nothing, and uh, my dad I think was... I just needed nothing, to be very frank. 
<laughs> yes, yes. No, that's uh, no, but not to digress. But my dad kind of uh, eavesdrop on 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 what I was watching, and and it was the episode on the Jan transfer window titled "Fresh Blood," and uh, he was he he casually commented saying that is the transfer market a, a slave trade. And I was like, what do you mean, Dad? And then he said, well, these players, you know, they don't, uh, if, if they don't, uh, if they want to leave and, and the club doesn't let him, then they have to play the extent of their contract. And then I just told him, well, it's working out great for some people, like Ozil. <laughs> yeah. And Gareth Bale. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we could see Bale at uh, Tottenham as well. I really hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but uh, from... Yeah, but, I don't, I don't... I, as as much as uh, Daniel Levy talks about being ambitious, I don't think he's that ambitious. Hey, it could happen. Uh, I mean, it's just that the current figures on the table are uh, no, astronomical. Get... Daniel Levy is not going to go for it. They're not. No they, don't wanna, they don't want to pay a transfer fee. It's going to be a loan deal with Tottenham paying half of his wages, which would come up to about two hundred and fifty k a week. That's still lesser than Ozil, by the way, and. Uh, okay. And he would, and they don't pay a transfer fee at all, and it's a season-long loan deal, and they don't. Yeah, uh, yeah they don't I, I read somewhere that uh, yeah, yeah, I read about this deal, but I, uh, as far as uh, I what I've been following, uh, Bale is not up for any season-long loans. He either wants to move or he's happy to. I, I think Gareth Bale and you know Mesudozo should start uh, texting each other to know how they're spending each other's time and money, man. I mean. They're made for each other, you know. Ozil will just feel bad because Bale's making twice as well, twice as much as what this guy is making. <laughs> okay, but all jokes aside, Ozil did post a tweet saying enjoying training or something of the like, uh, maybe mere days before before the season began, and then we did even see him in the squad. So that is quite. Uh, no, I'm, I, I, is it I surprising think he's anymore? Last season, uh, what Emery tried to do publicly and failed, Arteta has executed quietly and succeeded. Right, yeah, without destabilizing the uh, dressing room chemistry. Yeah. He's I mean, completely, you know, he's completely exercised the ghost of Mesodosal from every 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 interaction at uh, the Emirates and on the road and on the team bus and in the dressing room. But as an Arsenal fan, I still want to see Ozil play, man. I mean, like considering. No, I'm, I'm not against. I'm not against Ozil playing. I'm just I'm just in awe of how Arteta actually pulled it off. And the brilliance of what Arteta has actually accomplished is no one is actually talking about Ozil. When Emery was in charge, it's, everybody was talking about Emery versus Ozil. Arteta's winning, Aubameyang signed, and no one's talking about Ozil. I mean, Ozil's that's not it. posting any pictures of himself laughing and shit like that. I mean, this must be driving him up the wall. <laughs> I, I don't know if he... He craves the attention that you think he does, but uh, he, he, he's probably not like that anyway. But then the idea is the fact that, you know, you were right. Uh, and nobody seems to really care anymore. And for in Ozil's, from Ozil's perspective, it's just, well, we don't know uh, when he might play in an Arsenal uh, game again. Uh, I'm just hoping that it's the League, league Cup because certainly we could do with some rotation and... Uh, and at least Ozil could make a case towards making the squad. Uh, I certainly think that he is a squad player at best right now. And he should be used as such. And uh, there will be a place for him, hopefully. There'll be, uh, there's a lot of talk of reintegration as far as Ozil. And we're even putting Kenduzi into that conversation. But I think Kenduzi doesn't have to do too much as far as his, uh, as far as his playing is concerned or his training is concerned. It's just a question of you know, keeping a steady attitude and not doing stupid things on the pitch. So I think those are easier to weed out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Ozil's got, uh, I mean, Ozil's got a little bit of work ahead of him. Uh, But okay, Uh, just just as the general media and everybody else isn't devoting too much time talking about Ozil, we will cease doing the same. Uh, We're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal, West Ham. 
that's uh, that's the next game. Uh, I think we're going to line up uh, pretty much the same way. Uh, okay. How do you? How do you? I mean, like, what do you think? Uh, could there be any changes per se? Uh, maybe. Yeah, my, my my prospective lineups: uh, Leno, uh, Tierney's going to start. Uh, I think instead of Gabriel, we're going to have Saliba, and instead of Holding, we might have Mustafi. Uh, no, Mustafi's injured, right? Yeah, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Holden. So Leno, back three, Tierney, uh, Saliba, and Holden. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, ahead of them, I'll have Maitland Niles, Granit Xhaka, and Danny Ceballos, uh, and Hector Bellerin. And up front, I'll have Obama and Lacazette and Willian. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I so that's two changes. I do. I do think that uh, Arsen, uh, Arsenal will will go pretty much with the same lineup because Arteta is not going to want to maintain some sort of stability in the back line. He doesn't like to chop and change things too much over there. Uh, if you can have it the same way, then why not? It is only after all only a week apart. You know those two games, Fulham and West Ham. So there's plenty of time to rest and recover. Uh, and as far as midfield goes, I think West Ham are there for the taking as far as their uh, defence is concerned. So there might be a case for the inclusion of Sabaros uh, instead of El Nene. Uh, it'll be Jaka and Sabaros. Uh, and you've got your full-backs as well, your wing-backs in Maitland-Niles and Barron. Uh, and up front, it'll be very interesting to see you know, if there'll be a bit of reshuffling. We know that Oba is the staple and Willian on the back of this performance. I, I don't think he warrants being benched. But uh, aside from that, you know, are we going to see Enkitia? and Or uh, is it going to be Laka only? And, uh, you know, what what about Pepe as well? So, uh, those... That's another player I haven't gotten entirely, uh, uh, you know, behind, to be very frank, Enkitia. And Katia, I mean, you're, if, you, if you're looking at it from a purely uh, goal-scoring standpoint, uh, I think, yes, certainly his finishing can improve a lot. But uh, I, he does provide a lot of energy up front as far as his pressing goes. You know, the first line of press is always led by Nketiah. And I think that that is uh, very essential to uh, Arteta's style of play, especially against teams that, you know, like to hold the ball at the back and, you know, pump it forward because they have great distribution. I'm just imagining... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was saying that you saw that happen against uh, against Liverpool with uh, Reese Nelson and, and, and Lacazette, right? And uh, this guy is of the same ilk. And Ketir. Uh, so, yeah, he's, I mean, I was, he, he's got qualities that we certainly need. Yeah, I was just imagining... Uh, uh, you know, how valuable a player like Martinelli will actually be for a manager like Arteta. Because Martinelli, I, I genuinely believe, has the potential to be one of the best young players in the Premier League. I mean, uh, the way he presses, his finishing is pretty good. Uh, I mean, his defensive work is pretty great. I, I think all around, I would bet a lot... I, you know what? I, like, like we put it to you in finance terms, I'm long Martinelli, I'm short and get you. Okay, okay. Right. I mean, we don't have to sell no, anybody. We don't have to sell anybody. I mean, okay, I know that, you know, this. you're starting to think of me as this guy who just wants to sell everybody and ask this right now. <laughs> and just, just, just go and just buy people and replace everybody because I think every all of them stink. That's not entirely true. I think and get your uh, his I, I get your point as to why you see that he's a good hold up player, uh, but I think his holding up the ball and the player skills can improve. He really, but when you say hold up play, I think of uh, Giroud and Lacazette. I think they are like really good hold up players. And I, I don't yeah. think of him as a hold up player per se. I think of him as a player that can no, carry right the time, opposition but... on the ball wherever the ball may be. In in when when he's in the final third, whoever's got the ball, you know that he they're not gonna have any time on it because 
you've got an Enketia running and harrying them. And he's done this to goalkeepers themselves and actually got success with that and, and scored. So, uh, I, I think that's that's brilliant. And uh, I, so, you know what? He played under Bielsa. Bielsa saw something in him. <laughs> so, I mean, there's got to be there's got to be an argument listen, there as well. No, no, no. Listen, listen. We had this discussion before we started recording where, you know, uh, guys who were assistants to big managers are also big managers. And, you know, you brought up Arteta saying that, hey, he was Pep's uh, right-hand man. You know, he's a great learner and he's now he's, got, he's on the path to becoming a great manager. And I gave you Steve McLaren as an example and said that if going by your logic, he should be bigger than sliced bread. Uh, you know, uh, similarly, I'm sure Bielsa is a great judge of talent. I'm sure, I know that Bielsa is a great judge of talent. I know Bielsa is a great manager. And I know that, I know that Eddie Anketia is a really talented player. But right now, if I had to pick between him, I mean, there was a brief period last season where uh, Arteta was picking Anketia ahead of Lacazette. Uh, that's something I would have actually reversed. I would have given Lacazette more and more playing time. Uh, because on the pitch, Obama and Wood is always somebody who looks out for Lacazette. Even when Lacazette was having the drought uh, in terms of uh, scoring goals, uh, Obama and stepped up and gave him the penalty to take so that his confidence comes back. So I think uh, Lacazette should be given more time to thrive in an environment where the players around him care for his growth and his progress and his success as a star striker. And uh, I think, still needs to climb up the rank. Uh, I think he should actually be playing. FA Cup games and League Cup games and not necessarily thinking about starting uh, Europa League and Premier League games. I mean, Good no, talent. No. I you, could, you could play him in the Europa League as well in the group stage. That uh, That's that's where I see a lot of our young lads like Saka and NKTR being being used and, you know, maybe holding yeah, and Saliba. If, if, I think Saliba yeah. is going to be judged a lot on how he can marshal a defence in the Europa League mm. as well. Mm. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, certainly, I, I take your point that uh, while the partnership is great between the two Broderos <laughs> or, or the Hermanos uh, in, in, in La, La Cazette and, and uh, how do you say brother in French? <laughs> Hombre? No, that's... I don't know, man. I don't know many words. Anyway. <laughs> well, uh... well. Okay, we'll have to refer to them as brothers in French because even they were quite yeah. appalled by the amount of time that they had spent speaking English <laughs> in yeah, that yeah. Uh, in that Aubameyang contract yeah. signing video. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I take your point that uh, so, as, as long as uh, Lacazette is there, we should we should persist with uh, him. Okay, just to just to close this entire interesting discussion off, if you had to start in the Europa League, uh, would you start Enketia uh, uh, up front or Martinelli up front? Uh, that, uh, why can't I start, okay, I mean, why can't I start both? Because you'll have Saka playing on left and you'll have Nelson on the right. Yeah, I think Saka is so positionally versatile that I find a way to fit all three. Okay, let's say that, you know, you made a decision that in given their versatility, you're going to play Saka on the left and Nelson on the right. Who are you going to play up front? Between, uh, in, okay, yeah, probably just just about Martinelli, but then no, it's got to be it's got to be and Kitia considering that Martinelli is, you know, injured. So he's going to be coming back. And he's injured. Uh-huh. Let's say that they're both fit. Okay. okay. Yeah, but why are we why are we talking about hypotheticals that uh, don't necessarily matter right now? I I just think it's fun, but fair enough. Uh, well played and uh, uh, very well dodged. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, for full disclosure, I would have gone uh, Martinelli even with one leg. Anyway, uh, predictions. Sure. Arsenal West Ham. Arsenal West Ham. Uh, predictions. Well, my only concern is how we defend set pieces. Uh, just just slightly concerned about that. Uh, don't know. That's that's always the iffy factor. Uh, as far as Arsenal has been concerned for a, for a long, long time now. Uh, but even more pertinently, because they've got a guy called Thomas Suchek in West Ham's ranks, who is a brilliant header of the ball. 
So that's my only concern. I do think that we will win, and uh, we will we should win pretty comfortably at that. So I'm thinking three one, or uh, yeah, three one is a decent score. Yeah, I'll go for I'll go for two one. Go for two one. Okay, cool. Who do you think is going to score? I think it's going to score. Well, it's got to be Arba to celebrate the uh, contract extension. And uh, we'll toss one in there for Willian as well, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if mm. is there going to be a third scorer? I, sh- I should hope Arba gets a brace. Mm. Yeah. So, I'll go, for, I'll, I'll go for Lacazette. I'll go for Aubameyang. And I'll go for Sebastian Aller. Oh, you're predicting the okay, predicting their score as well. Well, okay, cool. I mean, <clears throat> I I would it's either Suchek or Antonio for me from West Ham, but uh, yeah, the I it, it should be a, a good game. I fully expect Arsenal to win, considering that West Ham are, you know, going to uh, they, yeah, they're no, pretty much in the thick of things. Yeah, they're in the thick of things. Yeah. They are uh, they have a, a very very tough start. Uh, and our, and it's 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 good. We should really capitalize on the momentum that we reaped from the first game, and yeah, so definitely expecting a win. Yeah, I think I think that's about a wrap for episode two of uh, North uh, North Bank Talkies. Uh, so that's it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we are the North Bank Talkies, formerly the Specialist in Failure. And uh, join us for uh, episode three. Thanks so much, man. Cheers, man. See you, see you yeah. on the next one. Yeah.